Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Form3.tech podcast. My name is Kevin Holditch, Head of Platform Engineering at Form3. Today I'm delighted that I've been joined by not one, but two folks from HashiCorp, Dominique Top and Andre Pimatel. Uh, guys, do you want to introduce yourselves? Uh, as you uh, so kindly uh, said, I'm Dominique Top. I have been a solutions engineer here at HashiCorp for about a little over a year. Um, been in the devil space for a little bit, about five years or something. So yeah, so I've done a lot, do a bunch of meetups in London, um, help organize a couple of conferences. I'm very active in the in the in the tech community around around town, so to say. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very very pleased um, that uh, that you've invited us to uh, come join you today. You're welcome, um, Andre. Yeah, hi everyone. My name is Andre Pimentel. I'm also a solutions engineer for HashiCorp. I've been here for a bit over two years now. And same as Dominic, I come from a DevOps background, uh, SRE, um, been using uh, Terraform since the early days. And yeah, it's uh, a very, very exciting times for, for HashiCorp products. Cool. I'd like to sort of start with sort of setting the scene on what it's like to sort of work at HashiCorp. I think you've undergone a lot of uh, growth recently. And the company's got sort of quite a cool image in the sort of tech space. Um, so, Dominique, do you want to give us a bit of an insider view on what it's like to be inside of HashiCorp? Yeah, of course. I mean, I can say from 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 the from the get go, everything you think is uh, <laughs> cool about the company is actually the case when you're here. Um, so, a couple of years ago, um, I, I had this like not re- not really dream or something. I just had a goal of like I would love to work at HashiCorp for some uh, at some point in my life. Now, it it as it happened uh, a year ago, it actually. Uh, did uh, happen I'm not here <laughs> but the first couple of weeks were very interesting in the sense where like Arman and Mitchell the co-founders and both CTOs um, they're just on slack they're just like everywhere and like it's it's very cool to see that the that the principles on which the company have been founded you can find them on uh, I think it's like hashicorp.com slash our dash principles or something like that um, you know, the first couple of ones are uh, kindness and integrity and humility. And it's, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy about being here is that it's not just a bunch of words slapped on a wall somewhere and then just like, oh, yeah, these are values. But every single person that's hired is hired along those principles. And you can really tell that everybody's super friendly. Everybody's always willing to help. Um You know, and it's, it just makes it for a really nice environment, gives other people the chance to grow. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's very, uh, very nice, nice place to be here. <laughs> yeah, very cool. That's definitely the impression they give off from the outside. And it's, it's kind of interesting to know that it's actually like the inside as well. Andre, would you echo those, echo those sentiments? Yeah, absolutely. This, uh, everything that Dominic said is absolutely true. Um, like uh, it's not just a bunch of words in a wall. It's true. It's true. Uh, we have, um, several uh, Slack channels and then you see there's like a Mitchell, uh, yeah, I like to play in this game on, uh, this platform people are very approachable uh, managers are very friendly and approachable uh, you don't see this kind of a very uh, kind of a aesthetic uh, um, hierarchy people are very very approachable and everyone follows the principles of HashiCorp should be humble um, and uh, 
We also, if you see the Tao of HashiCorp, as Dominic said, yeah, it, it, it makes sense and we, all, we follow the principles. And uh, it, yeah, it's not just, um, oh yeah, we have this word in the wall and we, we follow it. No, That's really great to hear that a company sort of is uh, has those values and it's really great to work for internally. I know I sort of feel the same about Form 3 and that everyone here is sort of... Uh, super technically strong and really humble and it's good to hear that HashiCorp is the same. Um, I know you've recently had the big HashiConf event which you got me to speak at and we'll come on to that in a bit. Um, it was a really awesome event by all accounts. Was it sort of very different to have it online? So I know in the past you've had them in person. Um, so does that change the dynamics at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, I think... I joined uh, during the proverbial plague <laughs> in uh, May of last year. And um, I think that was the first time when the events team had to like completely make a, uh, a 180 turnaround. Like, all right, they were planning on doing it in the in the Gashouder in Amsterdam again, or at least a Europe version. And all of a sudden it was not going to be possible. So they switched the whole thing around. They've, they've uh, had this whole um, events platform purpose built um, you know, and, and I think they've done excellent and incredible job to, you know, at least last year to start with, um, to switch it around. So, so that we have like a, something we can build upon online. And I think it has been different, um, but the, the production value and the way like it's, 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 uh, how do you say this? The amount of effort spent on making it perfect for everybody who is, attending as well as the speakers as well as the MCs and everybody involved is just uh next level I've heard I mean I might be biased because <laughs> uh you know last year I was uh, I was emceeing the main track that was live and then this year I was emceeing the um, uh, track two the one where you uh the track where you spoke at as well and it's just um yeah, it's 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 nice it's you still have the connection with people and and I think it's very difficult to do for a live event yeah, it does bring some challenges. I think the big thing that you miss out on is when you sort of go to an event in person, you have those sort of random chats with people, sort of in the downtime in between the talks, you kind of miss out on that. And that's the thing, I think, a lot of these um, talks when they've gone online, they've tried to replicate it with these sort of breakout rooms and different things, but it hasn't really quite been the same. But um, I think I completely agree with you in terms of the production quality of the event and the... So online platform is definitely first class. Um. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, and it, and what you're saying, like it's it's um, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, like because as like from a conference organizing perspective, like I organized DevOps Days London and DevSecOps Days London, um, there's been a conscious decision or at least a conversation around like, okay, well, how are we going to make sure that people who are already Zoom fatigued and like stuck at a screen for most of the day, how are you going to make sure that everybody's still engaged and how are you going to try to make sure that everybody's still comfortable? Like, you know, have to think, completely rethink the way you do things. And um, I think Jana uh, Baruta has done a, a, a series of, I think, podcasts, not podcasts or like video law vlogs or whatever. Um, you should check it out. Um, I can probably send you a link if you want, but she's explaining how, how you know, how different... Uh, it is to organize an online event like that. Um, so I think Andre, I think one of the biggest announcements at HashiConf was we finally found out that Terraform 1 has been officially released. I think it's been one of the longest waits for a version one of a product. 
almost in history, I think nearly 10 years in the waiting. Um, can you summarize what this means for users? Yeah, this is a huge accomplishment for us. Um, but it doesn't mean that before 1.0, um, Terraform was less com um, competent on anything. So our versioning is a bit funny. Okay, we, we go a bit different from the normal um, versioning uh, metrics that other companies do. Uh, Terraform has been for years on the market on enterprise platforms in massive customers uh, financial institutes banks uh, this release uh, the terraform 1.0 was more like a maturity release okay uh, hashicorp 1.0 is different from any standard uh, 1.0 release we see here Okay, so we got all the, the last uh, major features that were released on Terraform 14, 15. Okay, and then we realized, yeah, this is the time for a 1.0 release. Okay, um, we have some requirements to call a release 1.0. If a project is deployed broadly and has years of production and hardening, yes. Major use cases understood and well supported, yes. User experience um, is is well defined, yes, and the technical architecture is stable and mature. So, yeah, uh, this one does your release is that uh, we we are uh, kind of uh, bringing more into the future. Okay, and don't get me wrong, there was some features that the one does zero brought, like uh, the easy migration path for uh, states uh, interoperability from the previous versions. So. That's one of the feedbacks we got, especially from version 11 to 12, when uh, migrating Terraform versions was extremely painful from 11 to 12. I don't know if you remember that. But now 1.0 kind of can migrate from any version easily. And this improved upgrade experience is like a one also major milestone we want to carry forward. Yeah. So just to ask you a question on that, is that upgrading just the state itself or upgrading the actual code? Because I, I seem to remember, I think it was between Terraform 011 and 012, there was some major sort of breaking changes made to sort of the HCL language, and that was the the most difficult upgrade. So I think you wrote a tool where you yeah, run yeah. it like a, there's an upgrade tool built into Terraform itself. Is that has that been improved as well, or is that is that still the same? This is about the state. No, that's been improved as well. So it's not only state's interoperability, but also the migration. Like you do Terraform 15 migration, as you said. For 1.0, is the same. We, we also upgrade that process and should be as seamless as, as we promised, okay? Yeah, you're right. From 11 to 12, it was painful. We got that feedback and uh, we, we finally improved that mechanism. Yeah, one thing I would like to add on that as well, like uh, it, it's most of, you know, one of the things on top of the list of our Tao is it's about workflows rather than technologies. And like one of the things that is very prevalent in my opinion is that um, the Terraform team and everybody on the engineering department, especially for Terraform is like, they're so listening to the community, listening to customers, listening to anybody who has an opinion about something and that feedback does actually get integrated. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, so if there is any feedback for people listening, feel free to just like drop it in discuss at hashicorp.com and people will actually come back. To yeah. You. But again, it was a huge maturity, uh, milestone for us. We have a hundred million downloads and more than a thousand, pro thousand providers. Yeah. So 
it was about time for us to to get into the version 1.0 yeah i think it was um something that everyone knew was coming but no one knew when it was coming so um yeah it's great that it's finally here yeah i heard some people saying like oh this numbering version 1.5 0.15 really 15 yeah <laughs> it's just a bit long time overdue <laughs> i think it was kind of feeling like it was getting sort of very mature because i think 11 to 12 felt like a, a sort of big change and that was really the moment i felt where terraform took that step because you sort of made all those breaking changes but you made that with the knowledge of what the community wanted and you thought okay we've got to kind of draw the line in the sand now make some breaking changes but then from now forward we shouldn't have to break the kind of language anymore so you introduced some new features of language you simplified things made it cleaner to read and then from there on it feels like 12 13 14 15 just kind of gave you little extra bits of sugar on top but didn't really change too much so then that's where it really felt like it was stabilizing towards the v1 yeah and also talking about that there's some features coming also there's terraform tests and uh, this kind of a principle of um, uh, workflows and not uh, uh, tools uh, pre people and process over uh, technology and tools okay very cool um i just thought it'd be good now to touch a little bit on the talk that i gave at HashiConf which just to set the scene for people who, who didn't manage to catch it, I talked about the technique that we use at Form3 where we combine Terraform uh, and Vault together to enable the easy sort of configuration of management of Vault. So back, I guess this problem came about sort of four years ago when we were sort of building the Form3 platform in that Vault is a great tool for secrets management and I guess we'll come on to that in a bit. And it solves a lot of problems that you have when trying to run uh, code in the cloud. But one of the issues you sort of have with Vault is this chicken and egg problem of when you first initialize Vault, you need to configure it to give your applications kind of to put the secrets in at uh, the first instance and then give your applications like a profile in Vault or an entity in Vault that they can authenticate with to gain access to those secrets. So it's then how do you go about configuring Vault um, because what, what configures Vault? And then you just sort of keep pushing the problem backwards. Um, and then it sort of occurred to us that Terraform works really well for configuring Vault, but because um, you don't want to sort of put your Vault endpoint on the internet, you need a way for Terraform to be able to talk to Vault sort of privately on, on a private network. So we came up with this architecture where we could run Terraform Enterprise, which is your run-it-yourself Terraform offering, for those who don't know, and then we created private networks between the vaults that we run in each um, of our stacks, so like our staging, development, production, then allowed Terraform to talk to Vault to configure it. And that way we could create this app role once, so an operator would go in and seed when we've got a new vault, initialize the new vault, take that app role, give that to Terraform, and then you could just manage Vault using Terraform um, and that kind of workflow works really well because now your vault configuration is in uh, code so everyone can see it. Um, but you've got the easy way to sort of seed vault because you can use Terraform variables for your secrets and have them as sensitive uh, values in Terraform so no one can read them back. You can also use the features in Terraform Enterprise to control who has access to that workspace. So you can lock it out from sort of malicious internal users being able to extract your secrets. Um, and sort of end-to-end, -end, the workflow works very well. And I think since we put that architecture in, 
there have been a number of uh, features that you guys have released that would make that even better if you did it today in terms of you've got this concept of Terraform runners. So or, or I think, do you call them Terraform runners or Terraform agents? Terraform agents. Yeah, so a Terraform agent is a remote kind of um, workspace runner that you can link back to your Terraform cloud. So you could deploy one of those in your internal network and then have this pattern I've just talked about to configure Vault using Terraform. Um, is that something you see customers customers doing? Is that one of the use cases for these um, cloud agents? Absolutely, yeah. This is the, the perfect use case for the cloud agents to communicate with uh, isolated or on-prem infrastructure. And these uh, agents can be run either in a container or as a service team, and they communicate with the SaaS platform using outbound um, HTTPS. Okay, and they have a token from the platform. Uh, but on cloud, yeah, it's a feature that is uh, premature right now. And um, it's easy to install, easy to configure. And also we see a lot of uh, people using the remote, remote agents to leverage the platform where the agents are installed. So let's say the agents are installed um, in a particular box that uh, the customers, they have environment variables, they have binaries, they have other assets they want to consume. Yeah, that's per perfectly doable. But let's say uh, that uh, agent sits on um, a VM either on, uh, let's say, AWS Institute or maybe even on-prem, and their vault is on the same platform. So they can actually uh, grab credentials to communicate with vault easily uh, because first, they're in the same network. And second, let's say um, if you deploy your cloud agents into an EC2 instance, you can definitely use the Vault uh, EC, uh, AWS authentication methods to grab credentials uh, from uh, AWS based on the IAM role that uh, that uh, EC2 instance install and then log into Vault. Cool. I think there's one or two things you do need to be aware of when using Terraform to configure Vault. Um, I've already mentioned the right once variables, but also you need to be careful about um, granting access to Terraform state because I think I don't. It'd be interesting to know if this is on the roadmap, but I think last time I checked, it is possible um, to leak sensitive values into your Terraform state depending on sort of how you write your Terraform and what the provider does with them. So I think it can be quite important to control the users in your um, organization that have access to the state, especially in production. Would you agree with that, or is there a plan to sort of address that? Yeah, at the moment, yeah, uh, sensitive variables, they can be on the state file. That's why we built the role-based access control to the state file. There's uh, several ways we encrypt the uh, state file in REST and in transits. Uh, but then, yes, um, uh, possibly some uh, secret variables, they could go into the state file. Awesome. So I'd like to move the conversation on a bit now to Vault. I know that's something, Dominique, you're a bit of an expert on. Um, Nobody's truly the expert in anything, right? But yeah, I do like, I do like, I'm very much a Vault fan. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> cool. So I am as well. Um, so maybe a good place to start would be if you want to talk about maybe some of the new features that got launched on Vault 1.7. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's a bunch of things that happened. Um, I think there's a, a fair few things that 1.7 came out back in March, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just double check. Yeah, it looks like end of March. Uh, yeah, and then one of the things that have been uh, rolled out is a, a part of the ADP module, the Advanced Data Protection module, is something called tokenization. And tokenization is quite um, 
useful where if you want to you know transform your uh, your your tokens and uh, other things that have been rolled out are um, the KMS secret uh, key management secret engine for enterprise as well so you can um, have support for AWS KMS and and a bunch of other bits and pieces uh, there's an integrated storage autopilot I can send you the the link for this but it's it's um Especially tokenization has been something that's been um, often requested from a bunch of people that I've uh, I've been working with some of my customers, um, and they seem to be you know putting it to the to the test very uh, you know like uh, massively. But it's um, yeah, I can't say much more about that because it's uh, still a work in progress. But as soon as uh, there's more um, uh, there's there's more available on that, then I'll uh, yeah I'll, <laughs> I can share with you a, a bit more. Um, so yeah awesome yeah i think we're sort of very heavy users of uh vault form free i've already mentioned the use case where we run a vault in each of our platforms um we also use what we kind of refer to as a company vault so we run a separate vault that we give engineers access to using a YubiKey. so we've written some custom workflows so that for all access to the cloud so aws you authenticate with Vault using your YubiKey and that gives you access to either the AWS console or it can give you command line access to AWS. Uh, what's also cool about that is we've built a backend service that can do a two-person authentication mechanism to get um, right um, privileges to um, production, which is something the clouds don't offer out of the box, which it's really cool that we can do that. So the use case is if you want to maybe purge a SQSQ in production, you would use a command line tool to send a request. Someone else has to approve that request. And, and when you've done that, that gives the engineer access to production. In the background, how that works is when you create the request, it actually sends a, it will create a certificate signing request pass that through Vault to the other person who's gonna sign that off. When they sign it off, they actually tell Vault, yes, you can sign that certificate. So they sign the CSR. That gives you the, that then obviously mints the certificate and then you can use that to access Vault and get the sort of high powered um, credentials. And that's all kind of backed off using the uh, AWS Secrets backend. And the nice part is we can give that certificate a very short lease time. So when the person approves it, we can go, right, that's got like a 10 minute uh, expiring that certificate so we just give them a very short amount of time to go into pod do what they've got to do and then they're kicked out again very cool i've, I've i don't think I've, I've heard some other people like talking about like hey we want to try to implement a YubiKey in our you know like in the in the whole flow of things but did you like f come up with that yourself within form three or is it something that you found a guide on because it's something that i definitely want to share with other people <laughs> i think we came up with it ourselves so one of the our architects ed wild he came up the initial design um i think it was sort of three or four years ago now um, the initial version was sort of very primitive so we had to do a custom build of curl with some specialist modules on using make scripts and we had all these bash commands. So we did the same thing, but Gotta it, love a make file. <laughs> with, uh, bash and custom curl, but now we've automated it. We've written our own um, CLI tool all in Go. So when engineers join today, it's sort of like very seamless. It just works, but um, yeah, really cool. I guess the way that it works hasn't changed. So 
Is do you have any intentions of that, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like writing a blog about it or open sourcing it or something? I think we have we have sort of talked about open sourcing it. I think the problem that we'd have initially is that there's quite a lot of form-free source inside That's of it. Stuff. So we'd have that sort of difficult job of, of, of unwinding it. But um, I have a sneaky suspicion that if you were to open source it, there'd be a bunch of people that'd be like, oh, this is quite cool, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. But that's completely up to you and your and your team's time, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something we've we've considered, and a few people have, have asked us about it because we not only use it for AWS access, um, we've started to use GCP as well, and we've just sort of added a GCP plugin to it as well. So um, when an engineer joins now, they just get access to both clouds like just seamlessly from from their YubiK. and also we use it to control SSH access to um, production. So you have that same two-person authentication mechanism to gain SSH access, and it works in the same way because Vault can facilitate sort of signing. Um, uh, you, know, you can use a certificate, sorry, excuse me, to SSH into a machine. So the signing mechanism happens in the same way. So, yeah, it's, a, it's very powerful, I think, the workflows that you can build with Vault. Um, so I'm sure we'll see quite a few of these as, you know, the community matures around this space yeah one thing that i really enjoy about vault is like obviously we have like the use cases that you know have been I, how do you say this like vault covers a bunch of problems like secrets management dynamic secrets and all that kind of you know like encryption as a service and, and a bunch of different other things those are the standard use cases between quote air quotes but like you know, there's so many things, as you say, like there's so many more powerful workflows you can come up with. Make it as creative as you can to still securely do the things you need to, like, you know, taking the human out of the equation for a lot of things. That's what it's made for. So it's it's coming up with, uh, or like seeing, you know, companies like yours come up with something like this. It's kind of like, okay, well, what else can we do with this? That's interesting. Or like, how else can this solve problems that we didn't think of ourselves before? So, you know. Yeah, it's really cool. I think the way that Vault is sort of positioned it it's really easy to sort of plug other kind of lego bricks into it and build these sort of quite compelling systems i noticed recently at hashiconf there's a bit of a shift towards offering a lot of your uh, services such as vault and packer through your hashicorp vault uh, cloud platform um i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that on what the use case would be for someone choosing for sort of hashicorp to run vault for them versus sort of running Vault themselves. Yeah, of course. So uh, just a bit of backstory on the HashiCorp Cloud Platform story. Um, obviously, there is a big compelling reason for a lot of companies to want to use a certain product, but don't have the time, effort, or people or skills to actually have to manage everything themselves, right? Um, so where it started kind of with Terraform Cloud, you know, having a SaaS offering for, for, for Terraform and having everything on a portal and we'll, we'll just run everything in the background for you. Um, and then spinning on from that, I'm not sure if it's because of the success of Terraform Cloud, but there's been definite, definitely like a, a move towards like, well, what else can we stick in the cloud? <laughs> kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the, in the marketing team and I'm not on the, the product team or anything like that, but I just have this vision of like, okay, what else can we stick in the cloud? So then... Um, HTTP console was first because that was kind of the thing that wasn't really solved yet for a lot of people. So we have um, uh, HTTP console on, I believe, 
if and you, you quote me on this or don't quote me on this andre please confirm this i think it's on uh it was on azure azure first and now it's i'm not sure if it's now public beta on aws i think it is or if it's ga already but you know it's it's available um and then um yes yeah, so that's that's being worked on and then now like with the with the with the announcement of HTTP vault which is also available in local regions currently only on aws if i'm not mistaken um but yeah it's just it's just useful as in some companies will want to use some sort of um you know commercial feature that might not be available in open source or they just don't want to manage things themselves if you just want dynamic secrets and 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 potentially namespaces and and you don't want to have to manage everything you know like the the whole installation of it yourself and then that that might be a good first step into uh dipping your toes into the vault waters <laughs> if you if you went with that approach maybe we could just dive into the technical sort of ramifications of that a little bit so say you pick hcp vault how does the actual integration work do you deploy your vpc and obviously in the same region and then you do vpc peering to the hcp to get access or yeah, do pretty you much. gateways or if you uh, if you go to cloud is it cloud.hashicorp.com i think so portal.cloud.hashicorp.com basically you create a hashicorp virtual network first and then if you have that that's just yours and then you can literally just click a button go through the steps and then once that's done it's 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 sorted and you think um have either public or private access and it generates a token for you and then you're in basically it's very simple it's straightforward yeah when you deploy the hashicorp virtual network we basically create a aws account for you okay without the security bits and bobs uh, and then when you create a vault cluster um you can create a dev or a high available cluster up to you um, and, and then the only way to interact with the votes uh, can be through VPC peering or you can make a public endpoint also the dashboard that Dominic was talking about that's kind of the control plane that's the only way to interact with the HCP data plane so you can take snapshots from there you can do the management and etc so yeah, it's quite quite cool, and yeah, you can do the VPC peering or just um, expose an endpoint if you if you wish. I thought that the um, it was recommended not to put your vault endpoint on the internet, so it surprised me if people went down that route. Yeah, so that's the thing. Um, you you can have as many vault clusters as you want. So you can have one vault cluster that's a hundred percent private, but you can also have another one. Yeah, you, it's really up to you. Uh, the power of the vault ACP is that uh, you can create as many clusters as you want, and it's proven pretty good also for uh, POCs. So instead of a customer having to set up a production grid environment for tests uh, vault uh, feature, they can create a dev uh, cluster in one click. So pretty much a one click to adoption of vaults. So you can go over all the, through the, the phases of uh, building your own cluster. Okay, yeah, well, that's really cool. I didn't think about that use case. So if you just want to have a play with vault, that could be a really good place to sort of get started. Mm -hmm. Okay, very cool. Okay, uh, before we wrap this up, is there any um, upcoming events that you want to let the listeners know about? Yeah, of course. So um, there are a bunch of, like, if you go to our events page, it's events.hashicorp.com, there are currently three workshops that are scheduled to be uh, held publicly, so you can sign up for that for free. Um, the first upcoming one is on the 6th 
of July, that's a console workshop. Then on the 15th of July is a vault workshop and it's run by me. <laughs> so if you want to see my um, happy face and bubbly personality in a workshop, then feel free to join that. That'll be fun. Um, and then there's another workshop uh, that's Terraform Cloud on AWS and that is on the 20th of July. But I'm not entirely sure about the time zones on that one. Okay, so that'll probably be uh, later in the day, early, sort of Europe. Uh, West Coast, East Coast time. Just check the, I'll send you the link. <laughs> Yeah, so most of most of the workshops in Europe time, so the one that I'm running is starting at like 9 a.m. or something, um, and then it's like a, a few hours. So if, if you don't mind starting a bit later in the day, then the, the uh, Terraform Cloud on AWS workshop is also uh, fine and free to attend. Um, there's also obviously the uh, HashiConf Digital October, and that's the U.S. time zone friendly version. So the one that you spoke of was the Europe version, which is time zone friendly for us. But to be fair, we also get lots of viewers in, the, in different time zones. So if, if that's something that you'd be interested in, I think the CFP might open up soon, if not already has happened. Um, but yeah, I can, I can double check with that. Feel free to email me or Andre or find us on LinkedIn or on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Okay, well, that just about wraps up what we've got time for today. Thanks a lot for joining me today, guys. It's been great chatting to you. Form 3 are looking to double the size of our Remote First engineering team. If you'd like to help the world move money faster and enjoy working on complex technical challenges using the latest tech, feel free to check out the careers page in the description.